close call with death. Have you had one? I have. I've actually had a lot of them, but who's counting? In this session, we'll talk about the events of those of us that have come dangerously close to death and had the great luck or destiny to elude death and carry on. Enjoy the show. Today, I have as my guest, Audrey Overton. She is um, a very peppy, exciting individual that I've met recently um, at a professional networking group at Tribe House down in um, Pleasant Grove, Utah. And we were having this networking cool get together of professionals and we're supposed to have some icebreakers where we stand up and say a few things that are exciting or um, unique about ourselves. And Audrey stands up and talks about a close call with death that she had that was absolutely inspiring and um, exciting story. And we were all captivated. So I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to have Audrey on the show. So Audrey is, um, she's super lucky survivor of an auto accident that um, left her in critical condition and lifeless as her truck. She was driving in, went out of control and rolled over and over and over down a lonely deserted road in Arizona. So she's going to talk to us about that today. Welcome to the show, Audrey. So tell us, uh, before we get jumped into um, you know, your story of a close call with death, tell me about uh, you and just, just explain where you came from, where you live now, things like that about your family. Sure. So I'm originally from Arizona. Um, that's obviously where the story takes place. Um, I'm originally from Tucson. My family lives in Mesa, Arizona now. Um, I actually have awesome parents. Um, uh, my dad is originally from Texas. My mom, the Carolinas. Right in Texas. Uh, San Antonio. Great, yeah. great Mexican food there. The best. <laughs> and it's so funny because both Arizona and Texas have the best Mexican food. And then Amen. I just moved to Utah. I'm like, what? what <laughs> more of this? them need to move to Utah, please. Yeah. We have really good Mexican food here, but we can always use more. That's for sure. Like where? Where do you go for good Mexican food? I'll, I'll, I'll share that secret with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As a bonus for being on the show. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> uh, but I have one sister. She's older. She's uh, four years older. Uh, at the time she was living in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but currently she lives out in South Carolina uh, with her family, her husband and her son. Okay. So how old were you then when, when this uh, incident went down? So, you know, I should have calculated that, but, uh, it was 2008. So I, I would have had to have been, I think it was 22. So 22 at the time. Yeah. And just college years? College years. Yeah. So my third year. So yeah. 18, 19. Yeah. My third year. Okay. Yeah. Weird. It's weird to think about. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) you're how old now? Oh, oh. Um, I just older than you yeah, were then. Much so older. You have, you're old enough to, 30. you're married and have three children. Yes, I have three children. Um, one biological, I'm the two year old and, uh, yeah, I mean, I could have had them all. I'm, I'm old enough. And especially with Utah standards, I definitely could have had them all. Um, but no, I'm 32, 33. I'm 33 now. Okay. Yeah. So 11 years, 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Time just flies when you have fun, when you're almost dying. Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, so take us back to where you used to live down in Arizona, sunshiny Arizona and, and uh, take us to that 
lead us up to that moment um, that was your close call with that. Sure. So um, that particular day, um, I had just flown in from Texas, actually. And I was moving that day because it was right at the end of the month. I had to be out by the first. And funny enough, the next day, I actually had traffic school. <laughs> so I was Interesting. Working. Yeah, right? That's going to be... Uh, just remember the traffic school going into the story. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. So I... Um, I was moving that day and, uh, I had just flown in, went to lunch with my family. I actually did a little shopping. Uh, and I had, uh, waited for a friend to get off of work. He was a nurse and so he's coming off of a long shift, but he was going to help me move some of the bigger items that I had left in Arizona or not in Arizona, but in Tucson. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and Tucson is about four hours from Flagstaff. Uh, and uh, that's where I was going, Flagstaff, NAU, uh, which is the college up there. And I, yeah, I was getting on the road pretty late. And uh, I remember just... What were you driving? What did you load up? I um, loaded up a Chevy S10 Z2 or ZR2? I think Z2. I think that's what it's called. So it was just like a, a smaller truck, but it was like a lifted smaller truck with an extended cab. So four-wheel mm. drive, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but yeah, it loaded to the gills with your stuff. With all my things. Your, your entire yeah. life was in that truck. Yeah, basically. There was a couple items that I had left, and there were things like jewelry and purses, just like the smaller things sure. that I could have come back down and uh, could have grabbed on my own, but it was just all the major things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the plan was I was going to get up to Flagstaff um, early morning, help um, unload all my things. I had a roommate and my boyfriend at the time. Um, they were all going to help me unload really quick, and then I was going to just jump right into traffic school. Um and when you're young, you just think you can do it all because you have oh, just yeah. endless energy. And right. I did. Uh, so, yeah. So I um, loaded up the truck uh, with my friend Eric, got on the road, and started and just on by my yourself? Way. By you, myself. You were going to make this long journey by yourself? Yes. How, how far was that drive? How far did you have to go? Four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Mileage-wise, <clears throat> I yeah. have no idea. But the time-wise, it was going to be, you yeah. were going to be on the road for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I headed up and... It was kind of funny. There was just like an odd sequence of events um, that looking back, I think are kind of funny. Uh, Like I had gotten my wallet stolen um, like right before all this happened. And when I was home in Tucson, my new debit cards and things like that had um, come in. And so it was just like a weird sequence of events of like where I had to stop for gas and things like that or... I broke, um, sorry, mom. I broke her, uh, chair thing, like, I don't, I don't know, lever, um, in order to, to move the chair up. Cause I'm oh, really no. petite and, uh, I always sit real close to the steering wheel. And it's funny because looking back, I had to sit further back, um, than I normally would have, which, you know, once you get into 
you know, the details of, of my car accident actually mm-hmm. served me well in the sense of, you know, protecting my head in certain ways. And so, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. So anyway, uh, headed up, was on my way. And as you go towards Flagstaff and in that area, uh, it's very different than the saguaro cactus and tumbleweed that you think Arizona is. It's mm-hmm. just very mountainous, uh, a lot of cliffs. Uh, there's pine trees, snow, and a lot of animals. Mm-hmm. So I'm going up. It's dark. My dad always uh, taught us, you know, hey, if you get tired, you know, make sure that you always pull off. But if you do, because he had two girls, uh, make sure you pull off somewhere that's, you know, really well lit and that there's always going to be a lot of people. So I get to this gas station. Um, it's around Black Canyon, Munns Park area of uh, Flagstaff. And then it's outside of Flagstaff. But uh, I pull over, I get chocolate milk uh, and some other little <laughs> treats. And so I pull off and I sleep for a little bit. And I tell my boyfriend at the time, like, hey, I'm going to pull off and sleep for a little bit. And I'll let you know when I'm back on the road. Uh, so I get back on the road. I let him know, hey, on my way. And... I go, well, I like to speed and, uh, I was on cruise control and I mean, there's nobody at this time. It's like three in the morning. Oh. And so literally nobody's on the road. Truly deserted and quiet and alone. Yes. Yeah. And it's just pitch black and it's just the darkness. And so. You were in the abyss. Yes. yeah. Yeah. I was in my zone. Listen to music, you know, um, and I was driving in the left-hand lanes, and I rounded this bend, and there was an elk in the road. And in that initial, like, moment, it's just like, ah, it's like that oh-no moment. And yeah. so you yeah. instantly slam on your brakes. Um, and an elk, if you've ever seen one, is huge. And uh, I, I've definitely seen one. I've actually hit a black Angus cow. In the middle of the night, and uh, oh, they they gosh. they're really hard on cars. Yeah, like d- destroy yeah. the vehicle oh, yeah. you're in. Oh yeah, yeah. Big L can be tall and super dangerous on, on a vehicle like you were driving. Yeah, and in fact, so they, did you decide maybe it's safer to hit it or yeah. dodge it? So I found this out after the fact um, that it is better to dodge an elk because of the, such a high clearance, uh, it'll go right into your cab. However, if you're speaking to an insurance rep, <laughs> then in that case, you do want to hit it because otherwise oh, and it's then you, considered the, a fault versus a no fault. That's yeah. great to know yeah. for all of us that are yeah. listening to this right yeah. now. Hit Thank the you, animal. Thank you, Soma. Hit the animal. Take your car. I'll get a new one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you, Audrey. You're welcome. That's, a- <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I, I swerved, right? And uh, I didn't know this also at the time, but left-handed people swerve left, right-handed people swerve left, or right, bleh, uh, and I am left-handed. So I oh, swerved. Oh, so you swerved right. I, no, I'm left-handed, so I swerved left. Okay. So I was driving in the left-hand lane, oh, swerved off the, off the road. Took you off the road. Yeah, I was on cruise control, um, and I was also braking. So dirt, braking, speed, they don't mix. And so my truck started spinning. And I was going so fast that when the tires hit the lip of the road, 
they actually ripped right off of the rims and they began my rolling. And so I rolled, um, that 80 plus miles an hour. And, uh, I rolled about six to 10 times and, uh, it's just based off of the projected spray of debris that was literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy because that initial moment, um, your initial reaction and feeling is fear and it's, it's strange, but it's quickly replaced by this calm and this peace. And I saw the ground coming as I was flipping up into the air. And it was like this second part of me that was just telling my other part of me, you know, Hey, just hold on. Like, just hold on. It's going to be okay. And yeah. And so that's that initial hit and just the sounds and the amount of debris that's just flying everywhere. I remember seeing my arms just like floating in front of me and it's weird. Because so you know what, just on that part right there, yeah. <clears throat> I've, I've been in a, several accidents, mm-hmm. uh, several car accidents myself. Yeah. And when that happened to me, it seemed as though life just went into slow motion. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, yeah. like the glass went slow. Mm-hmm. The whole world was slow. And it was the most incredible experience. Did did you feel that same thing? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, it was the most calm and clear I've ever thought in my entire life. It was it was almost surreal. Like just how slow I remember seeing my arms and it would just be like a slow float and then the crash, you know, every time I would hit and every time I would roll. Um, and it is, it's just stillness and it's, it's a place of calm and stillness in an absolute chaotic environment. It's, Hard to even describe. Yeah, it really is. It but really is. Trying to do that right now is so important because man, it's creating such a visual for me. Mm-hmm. You know, to just see and imagine mm-hmm. what you just went through. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah, it's it's cool looking back at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, did, it is. You know what? Um, did you hear very much sound? In, or was it kind of quiet? Initially it was quiet and then it was so loud. In fact, that was one of the things that's just in my mind. It's just a poignant piece of that is just how loud uh, that crash actually was with all of the glass, all of the debris, every time it would hit um, mm-hmm. or the truck would roll and hit. It, it's wild. So did you actually miss that elk? I did sure you did. save its life that night? You know what? It's funny. So I'm pretty sure I did. But my dad did go back to the scene of the crime. I shouldn't say crime, but the scene of the accident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said that there was a dead elk near there, but it was never cited in any report. And so yeah. I think you it's completely unreal. Yeah, car. no, there was no gore. It was nothing. That's so awesome. I wish because then I could have claimed that on my insurance. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I, I just hung on and I remember landing and it was just rest. It was peace. It was the calm had restored. 
And at this point, I had actually slipped down and out of my seatbelt. So my head was where my bottom should have been in that seat. Mm -hmm. And I was partially ejected. So I was actually going out feet first through the windshield and through the driver's side door. Yeah, which is kind of weird, but that's the way it went. That's so um, crazy. Yeah. It and was a seatbelt keeping your head to the seat? No, I actually slipped out of the chest belt mm-hmm. and it was the lap belt that kind of had me pinned yeah i guess oh, okay. yeah had me pinned more to the seat yeah. but really and truly it was my hips that kept me in that car huh. and so my hips had actually gotten caught in between the steering column and the door oh my gosh and so yeah and so every time that truck would land oh. or hit i was sitting there getting smashed yeah so yeah it's it's wild because when I landed, I remember looking up at the roof of the truck and seeing that it was concave, but almost like a an A or like a little mountain, you know, and thinking, you know, like, hey, this this was a really bad car accident and I need to call somebody. And it's and it's funny too how your brain works, right? You go that fear, then the the slow, calm, clear that you think, mm-hmm. and then it goes into this survival place, and then it goes elsewhere. But uh, denial, this it, kind of happened. Really. Yeah, it, it actually goes into this funny like, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, initially, I was like, okay, I I need, you know, I need to get my phone. Well, I look over into that passenger seat and my purse and phone is MIA. Like it is nowhere to be found. Yeah, completely gone. And so I was like, okay, uh, let me make sure I'm not paralyzed. So I remember specifically wiggling uh, my toes and I was like, okay, well, I'm not paralyzed. And once I knew that I couldn't reach anybody and I wasn't paralyzed, which in my mind, that was the worst thing that could happen. You were just going to hang out there all night yeah, with yeah, your stuff all over yeah. the road in your mom's broken chair? Yeah. That's great. That's exactly Pull what Pull that thing out and sit in it. Yeah. yeah. I, I did. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, well, when I wake up in the morning, I'll figure out what I'm going to do. And then I go Somebody's to sleep. Somebody's bound to come along. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just like go to sleep. That even that didn't even register to me. I'm like, well, somebody will save me. No. no. I was just like, just, yeah, just okay, chill. when I wake up, like... I'll figure it out in the morning, you know? So So you thought you would just go to sleep at that point? Yeah. Yeah. What about pain? Were you feeling any pain yet? None. And that's funny because at that point, pain or pain places didn't even register to me. Um, Once I was found, um, I remember being mad actually, because the way the truck had landed, it was... How did it land? It landed on its side and it was driver's side down. And so when somebody came and found me, I'm actually friends with him. His name is Sam Law. So hi, Sam Law. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Thank you for saving Audrey. <laughs> you did. Um, I remember him waking me up with this bright flashlight. And me, if anybody knows me, I eat to be woken up. I'm the worst. I am such a crab. And I was being woken up by this bright flashlight and I just remember like and uh, being so annoyed and then quickly reality set in I was like oh wait I need help which this guy's obviously uh yeah you think but uh I knew where I was hurt at that point but I never felt pain I thought I was like okay broke my arm 
and I'm pretty sure I broke my leg, but I am not paralyzed. And so him being on the phone. Could you tell the, your arm was broke? Like just because it was weird angle or anything? It wasn't compound? Um, no, it, it just wouldn't wasn't. Right. No, it just, I just knew that it was hurt, but I, I never tried to move it. I never tried to wiggle out of the car. No, I just, in my mind, knew. Like, I don't know if it was instinctually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. It was bizarre. I, yeah, I didn't move. And so uh, after that, I remember telling him I was cold because at that time, uh, it was still snowy out. And so there was still snow on the ground. And I obviously had no heat on at that point and no yeah. glass to keep it in. Right. <laughs> so I remember him putting something warm on my legs because you couldn't actually get to me because again, I was kind of tucked under my head was where the seat is like the, where you would sit yeah. where your bottom would go. And my feet were, were the only things that were exposed and out. So, uh, he put something warm on me and I don't remember anything after until I was in the ambulance and uh I talked to Sam after the fact and he's like it took them an hour and 47 minutes to get to you get extracted to, at for even the first responders to get there oh my gosh yeah and so I was really out in the middle of nowhere and so they cut me out uh of the vehicle how did why was he there how, how did he be the first person that found you yeah Great question. So I was headed north, um, uh, northbound, and I had actually rolled into the southbound lanes. So he was also moving at the time, and he was coming down the opposite direction. Oh so my he gosh. was headed south. And late? Uh, but this uh, time it was like early the in the morning. same hours? Oh, okay. Right. Um, but it was still dark. And so he comes down this highway going who knows what speed and almost crashes into me because I'm just in the middle oh of the road. Gosh. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was shocked to find that it was right? you just some random truck in the middle of the highway. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know how long I had actually been there prior to this, this guy finding me, but, um, he got out, he's assessing, he's doing whatever he's doing. And then another car comes and almost hits both of us. And so while Sam Law was there with me, this other vehicle, this other passerby was stopping traffic. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit wild. I'd say. So yeah. let's go to the part where you're in there, you're mm -hmm. waiting. What was your experience when you were in the truck trying to just get some rest and, and <laughs> wait for life to pick back up? Yeah. What happened to you in, in, in those hours? really nothing. I'm thinking I'm just sleeping. Like I was out. I was out. Nothing. Absolute nothingness. Okay. And so, yeah, I, it's just blank. And then all of a sudden you yeah. see this flashlight in your face and it was him. We, oh, 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 oh. I'm, I'm thinking you're, you're, you're asking about after I was already found. So oh. prior to that, um, one, I was thinking, Hey, where's my phone Two, Am I paralyzed? And then there was this brief moment, it's actually kind of funny, um, where I'm looking up because my view obviously is this concave roof mm -hmm. um, of the truck and thinking, man, I'm glad I have insurance. 
you know, because at that time it was actually my mom's truck that I was borrowing. Mm. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, you already broke her chair and now you broke her car. I know. And even worse than that, my sister was going to borrow my mom's truck the weekend after she was actually supposed to borrow it that weekend. You ruined that for her. I did. I did. So I don't even know how she even moved out of her place. Yeah. Yeah, how selfish. Seriously. Yeah, she's probably never forgiven you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's probably a bitter point in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I should uh, revisit that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Work that one out. So um, where was the, what was the experience that you had where, um, did you ever feel like you honestly could die? No. You know, you always thought, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. I'm hurt. It's a bad accident, but I'll, I'll probably be okay. You had, t- tell me about what ex- extent of the injuries you knew you had, if any. At that point, I knew nothing. And I was not conscious um, being ast- um, extracted or anything like that. The next thing I really remember was going into shock in the ambulance. And I remember they trying to keep me awake ask me questions that to me I was actually really annoyed by. <laughs> oh, those are purposeful. I know, they never I know. ask you things that you're really into. You no. know, they, they want to ask you things that makes you mad and, and get yeah. you Yeah. What alert. is that? What is that? It's they're trained. Highly I trained. <laughs> I just wanted to go to sleep. Just yeah. Leave you yeah. alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember in the ambulance shaking and I was shaking uncontrollably and it wasn't like and I, no, I mean, it was shock. really cold. Yeah, but I was so cold. It was like shaking like you were having a grand mal seizure. Mm-hmm. It was, and I, I couldn't control it. And they had this big, like, heated blanket. It was like a, one of those air blankets that they're puffing, like, or blowing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. hot air into. And he kept asking me, like, well, how do you know it was an elk? And then... I'm like, what a dumb question, you know, like, like he knows. I was thinking, well, my dad's a hunter. <laughs> so I'm like, so I know. yeah, I'm like, they just, yeah, we're just trying to keep me awake and mm-hmm. do their best. But 22 year old me was just uh, so perturbed, you know? <laughs> so yeah. So I, um, I'm kind of in and out at that point. And at some point I'm then at the hospital and I don't know what it is about me, but I make jokes at the most inappropriate times. And I think it may be just my coping mechanism. Uh, and uh, I just find humor in What did you say? And so as they're wheeling me in the gurney, you know, they're wheeling my feet first. And I'm like, oh, oh, let me get the door for you. You know, because obviously I'm going in first. Right. Like, no, 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 don't move, don't move. And I'm like, guys, I wasn't really going to move. Like, I can't move. I'm strapped down to the gurney. Yeah. But um, there, yeah, it was it was chaos. It's like, you know, all of those, like, ER, like, movies or shows that you watch. Yeah, we like, watch all of them. Yeah, there's, like, complete chaos, and you're wheeling into the gurneys, and, and the doors fling open. It was like that. Yeah. Um, and then I'm out again. Um, there's parts that... And, it, and it's kind of weird because it's a little bit of a blur. I don't know if there are parts that I was conscious for or, or if I wasn't. But I can remember 
just so many hands. Like it felt like a hundred hands on me. And I remember the doctor saying, and again, I don't know if he was talking to me or if he's talking maybe to a resident. I don't know. But he was like, you know, normally when we're looking for internal bleeding, you would think, oh, we're looking for a soft spot. But no, um, you're, it's actually hard. See, like fill right here. And in my mind, I don't have any visual of this, but I'm hearing it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, it is hard. Yeah. huh? And it didn't again, it didn't register to me the danger of I'm bleeding internally. It wasn't like, it was just more matter of a fact, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. And so, yeah, it was that. And so that was, it was more of the kind of initial like part of this. Um, and, uh, what ends up being kind of weird and and more of the near death things. I have two, I have, an out-of-body experience where I can explain, like, I, I want to say scenes that I was not a part of, situations that I was not a part of. Like, at the time, for whatever reason, I told Sam, the guy who found me, Sam yeah, Hall, yeah, my boyfriend's phone number. Not my mom, not my dad, not my sister, not anybody that can do anything about this emergent situation, but my boyfriend. Um, so I remember... His name is Ben. Um, ben being there, and his hands are in his pocket. He's over by the nurse station. I know exactly what the police officer looked like. Really tall guy, slender, white guy with a very... Um, it's like a buzz buzz cut, but it was more like a flat, flat top, top buzz cut. But yeah. not like the old school, like Tom yeah. Cruise, Top Gun flat top, but like, but like uh, yeah, a more modern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I just remember how pale and like scared Ben was. And when I later asked Ben about that, he's like, no, you weren't a part of that. Like you weren't there for that. And so it's just kind of weird. Like I have scenes in my mind and visuals of like Ben waiting in the waiting room and me walking by, but that never happened or just weird things like that. Interesting. Yeah. And so that was more of the out of body. It wasn't floating above my body or anything like that. You were like walking that. around, checking things yeah. out. Yeah. And so, but it was, it wasn't, I wasn't concerned with me as much as I was. With other people with that other were there people. for you. Right. To support you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in this, this chaos, it's, I'm going in and out. Right. And, and at some point, um, I am being observed. Okay, like flat out, I'm just a pain in the butt because <laughs> I I was being observed, right? Because at, I had internal bleeding amongst other injuries. Um, but I remember wanting water so bad. Like I would have killed for water. And... I don't mean that as just an expression. Like I would have given anything for water at that moment. Mm -hmm. And every time I pressed the call button, I, the guy would come, the guy who was observing me, he would come and say, well, I'll give you some ice chips. And at some point he stopped answering my buzzes. And so I, 22 year old me, 
<laughs> wanted what I wanted. And so I started taking off all my monitors because oh, I knew they would come remember, to, the, they would come right in come. And then. Yeah. yeah. And he did, um, <laughs> not happily, but he came and I got my ice chips. But then, um, after that guy, I actually have photos where I'm like strapped down to my hospital oh my bed gosh. because I was that patient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he gets in, he's like running in, thinking evil. I'm dying. Yeah, and, uh, Chucky. Can I get some ice chips? He's <laughs> like, oh. So, so <laughs> yeah. And, and again, timeline-wise, it's very blurry. Um, um, but that, that was the out-of-body experience was my initial experience. Now, later on, um, I had an out-of-this-world experience. Now... I grew up um, religious, like I grew up in a very conservative white Christian family with two military parents, one from the Carolinas, one from Texas. Mm-hmm. So very Southern. And, uh, you know, it's funny because my mom, she was awesome. Like, well, both my parents were awesome. But my mom, I remember asking questions like every child does, like, how do you know this is what you believe? Or, you know, what is heaven like? And I remember specifically asking, what is heaven like, mom? And her telling me like, well, the roads are paved in gold. And it's funny because as a child, I'm thinking like precious gold. I'm like, why? So part of me is thinking like Wizard of Oz, the yellow brick road. Yeah, like, yeah. That's where man, I go too. Yeah, man, heaven is weird. You know, like... <laughs> it's just the Yeah. Like, <laughs> but no, um... Where I went, it was gold. My mom was right. Gold, but like gold like the sunset. Um, And it was warm, but it wasn't like hot warm. It was warm like the feeling you get when you're in a really cold restaurant or like a library in in the summer and it's so cold with the blasting AC. And then you either walk over to a window where you step outside and that sun hits your skin and it just warms you Mm -hmm. and that's really the only earthly way i can describe that feeling but it was incredible and it was just overwhelming and it was so peaceful and i just knew it was going to be okay and it was it it was just pure peace unlike were you by yourself in this in this sphere and in this environment so yes and no so I was, the only person there was me, but I was looking at me. I was 10 years old at the time. It's like nine or 10. And I'm laying in this field, this like grassy field. And at first it was, I woke up as that. And I'm like watching the grass just kind of sway gently, like in the breeze. And, and it wasn't like grass, like your carpet grass out on the lawn. It was like long, um, I guess like wheat, kind of like how long wheat is, Mm -hmm. kind of just blowing gently. And I, I then like kind of pan out to where I'm looking at myself laying in this great golden place. And, uh, have you ever read the Harry Potter books or have you ever seen the movies? For sure. Okay. Awesome. So you know how, in the movies, you look at a picture and the person is still moving in the background. Yeah. So it was like that. So I 
panned out of this world into a different one, but I was still holding on to the picture that was me of 10 years old. It was still a place that I was able to go to. That was my understanding. I was still able to go there. That's why I was holding on to the poster or the picture. And I was being shown around. And this next place I went um, was a house. And I was being shown all the different rooms. And it was dark and kind of damp, kind of moldy. <laughs> um, that sounds bad. But it was, yeah, dark, damp, and moldy. And I remember thinking like, well... Perfect fixer-upper. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, that was, it, I just saw the potential in it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, like, okay, like... I, I could can do turn something. this. Yeah, I could flip this house in no time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no project is too big for a 22-year-old. That's right. Um, <laughs> the capabilities are in this. Um, so, yeah, so... Then I'm taken out of that house and I'm brought outside. And I remember thinking like, and and I said this, I said, well, if I knew this had existed, I never would have left. And the second I said that, I had the poster of this awesome place that I was, the choice to go back to that place was then ripped from me. And it was this moment of just panic. Oh, it ripped? No, it didn't rip. So I said, I verbally said, if I knew this place existed, I never would have left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was holding on to that poster the whole time that I was being shown around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I guess, in my mind, how it makes sense, it was kind of symbolic of, of I still had the option to go to this great, golden, peaceful, awesome, grassy land where I am 10 years old. (laughs) So so once I said that, that option and that, that was then ripped from me. Like I, like taken from me essentially. Like I couldn't find the poster, I couldn't find the picture and I no longer had the option to go back. And so in that brief moment of panic, um, of realizing my choice, essentially, I woke up in the hospital and that's the first time I felt pain. And the pain I felt was incredible. Mm. It was the worst. And I like to think that I have a really high pain tolerance. Um, but yeah, this was, this was incredible. I had, um, broken my elbow, ankle, ribs, um, I had broken my pelvis in three places, my sacrum from my SI down. Um, I had collapsed my lungs, and I was bleeding internally at that time. And yeah, that's so, traumatic. That's right. huge. Oh yeah. So, and then I also like did weird things. I had cuts all over. I hit my head really hard on that seatbelt guard, you know, that uh, hit my jaw, so I could barely open it. Bit the tip of my tongue off. Oh. So, just a slew of just nonsense, but. Yeah, it was pretty intense. And How long were you in the hospital? So I was in the hospital for two weeks, and it was the last four days. When I woke up, I also woke up in a panic, thinking it was the same day, and that I had to get up, and I had to go, and I had to hurry because I couldn't miss traffic school. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you needed to take it the day before. <laughs> and so like everybody's like, no, calm down, calm down. 
I, and I was thinking about all the responsibilities. It's like my car payments due. I'm like, this is due. I've got to do this. I've got to be in here. I've got to move out. And, uh, everybody's like, no, 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 no. It's all been taken care of. Like, it's okay. It's, it's not the same day. And then slowly, but surely and being explained, you know, Hey, it's, you've been in here for a while, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah. And, and, uh, I woke up in the ICU. I, uh, Oh man, I, uh, I couldn't talk at first cause I was, I had a ventilator on and mm. I remember being frustrated cause as I opened my eyes, um, I couldn't speak. And that's just one of the things when something's down your throat for as right. long as yeah. it is. Yeah. As long as okay. you were right. Yeah. You, you don't have a voice mm-hmm. and I was so tired slash drugged. Um, and thirsty. Yeah. So thirsty. Uh, that I, I tried to tell my cousin who was there at the time that I had bit the tip of my tongue off and she couldn't understand what I was saying. And I remember being so frustrated I was, and turned over and went back to sleep the other way. Just not, I was refused to look at her because I was mad at her. <laughs> she couldn't understand. You're such a brat. I know I really oh was. 22 year old me yeah. really sucked. <laughs> um, but it's funny because how I found out I bit the tip of my tongue off was so I was checking to see if I had all my teeth and I hadn't opened my eyes yet, but I was checking to see if all my teeth were still you there. You can reach them. Yeah. And they were. But, oh, thank but goodness. I but know. I a know. A little numb. Yeah. Numb tongue. Yeah. yeah. It was like weird. And so, which uh, with my history and biting tongues. It's, yeah. Yeah. The tip of it is nothing. Nothing know, so. compared to getting <laughs> yeah. half of it bit off. Yeah. As a yeah, child. exactly. So yeah, it was just kind of crazy. And then when I woke up outside of the panic, outside of the initial earthly things, um, just based off of my experience, I knew I did not believe, uh, what I was taught growing up. I did to an extent. I knew that, one, there was life after death. Um, I have always been like, at that time, I was always scared of dying because I was like, oh my goodness, it's going to be so painful. And, uh, I like didn't do everything I was supposed to do. I didn't go down the checklist and I wasn't perfect. And oh my goodness. And so I ended up, um, knowing that death does not hurt. Like it's living that hurts. It's because oh. that's when I felt the pain was when I finally came back and decided to live. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was. So you made that conscious decision when there was kind of touch and go there. You definitely, even though it hurt, Mm -hmm. you wanted to, you wanted to be here. Yeah. And, um, and, and you were going to, yeah. How did you feel at that point? Um, it was a real harsh reality to be completely honest with you, because I went from this golden, peaceful, great place to reality of just unbearable pain and just so uncomfortable. And I had a liquid diet. And I just remember being so sick. And it just like being back was kind of gross feeling. Yeah. You know. Um, How'd you cope? How'd you get through that? In the early days, it was actually very difficult. Um, you go through this like weird kind of this dark tunnel, right? Of all your thoughts racing, the what ifs. You play the what if game. Um, but, uh, I came out of it and, and after a little bit of time had, had passed, um, 
I went on this weird journey of, of, of being so fascinated with near death experiences. Cause I wanted to know, did other people experience what I experienced? And the funny thing is, is they're all oddly similar. And, uh, it's a real common thread yeah. between these stories. Yeah. And there are variations, right? But it's all, it all has the common theme of mm-hmm. just warm and peaceful and, and yeah. And so, um, it just changed my life. It changed my life in a lot of different ways. Um, one, I think it became more understanding of just the fact of there is absolutely life after death. Like that's just a fact. But in my mind, I tried to make sense of it because I didn't necessarily believe what I was taught growing up of just the fire and brimstones and you're going to burn for eternity if you haven't dunked in water. Because at that time I wasn't baptized and, Mm -hmm. and that was what I was taught. And my experience from that was no, actually it's peaceful and it's loving and it's kind and it's great. And so it changed my life. Um, and it, it helps me because I think we all fear the unknown. We, For sure. We fear yeah. death, you know, and especially yeah. when you're young and like, well, there's yeah. this innate desire to live, you know, right. that we will do everything possible to live. So why you not only is water like good tasting when you're dramatically thirsty, but right. you will do anything for that. Mm-hmm. You're just, your body's trying to survive right. in that moment. Right. And so, yeah. So I just, I went on this weird journey of, of trying to make it make sense through science mm-hmm. because I've also had friends of all different faith and things like that, like ask me like, well, how do you know you have a soul? And so it's kind of funny. I, I, I think we put labels on things, but really can be looked at in different ways. Like energy, for example, like scientifically it's proven that you and I, as human beings, we are energy, we admit energy, so on and so forth. Um, but it's also a, a thing, a common knowledge that you cannot destroy energy. It's only ever transferred, but we are biological beings. So our bodies will die, but energy does not. So there is another part of us that somehow lives on. And so, um, soul energy, whatever you want to call it, spirit, I don't know. Um, there is something. And so it just, I think helped me make sense of kind of what I was going through. Um, almost like a, a, a kind of a religious crisis, you know, of, of, for a spiritual crisis of not knowing what I believed based off an experience that I knew to be true. And so, uh, it's, it's, it's just wild. Like it really is. And, and my parents are awesome and my parents have always given us religious freedom. Um, we actually went to two churches growing up. We were like immersed in church. It was mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. mornings, Sunday evenings, Wednesdays, like Bible camp, Bible study, all the things, you know? Um, and so my parents have always just been so loving and so supportive. Um, and it's funny because none of them have the experience I do. Uh, and it's just that blind faith, which actually is still kind of a struggle for me, but like, how, how can people have that? You know, but I yeah, just, just know just what I know. Pure faith, but you've yeah. had kind of like a testimony made yeah. pure. Yeah. yeah. Just by your experience, mm-hmm. uh, you've, you've had an eye opening experience. Right. And- right. 
and nobody can ever take that. And I'm no. grateful that I wasn't born in the, I don't know, 1800s because I'm probably would have been burned at the stake. Yeah. For yeah. Like blasphemy. You, you did what? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And it's true. It's like, I, I know what I know and nobody can take that from me. And for sure. And it did spin me through a, a loop, but it's changed my life in a lot of different ways. It's really different now than you were then. You know, the, the Audrey I see today versus, you know, you as a 20 year old and growing up, you know, you were a happy kid sure. with your family and stuff, but what do you sure. like now and what do you want to accomplish going forward? So I think just the peace of mind that I have of like, I do not fear death at all. Um, I think I feel, I feel differently about death than most people do. And I think just having an understanding of the other side has helped a lot of people that have opened up to me, um, to try and understand that, um, and just be more at peace, um, with that knowledge. Um, but not only just the not fearing death, I think, um, it's just, I just know that just having that knowledge and it not being questioned, I think is probably the greatest, the greatest thing. I think changing wise, I mean, I was 22 and I was like, again, I was a brat. I kind of sucked at the time. I was not my shiniest self for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't have an attachment to material things anymore. Um, it's, it's funny too, because when you wake up in a hospital like that and you think in your mind, like, oh, you know, all the people that are definitely going to be your bedside, but you wake up and none of those people are there. I think it's very eye opening. And again, that's one of those things that's kind of depressing and dark at the time. Um, but it's, it opened up my eyes to the value of family. They were all in traffic school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so, it, it is. It, it just. It just. It's a realization of of the important relationships you have in your life and and what those truly mean and who's who is going to be by your side. What relationships are you forming and how valuable are those to you and how valuable are you to them? You know. We well, seem very happy. Um, you know, like you have a really good outlook on life and and like yeah. just it seems to be like a gift. You know, for that, that I bet. Now, once you're awake and nobody's shining a light yeah. in your eyes, that, that you're a happy person every single day. And, and um, I don't know if you have people ask you, can you be so dang happy like every day? What's your problem? Um, but <laughs> but um, I, I can sure tell from the way you act, you know, that you're just very comfortable in your own skin that you have left and that your, <laughs> you know, life is, is more like a gift. So in final closing um, passage, just any final thoughts, anything that you would tell someone, um, you know, that, that, uh, just to express, you know, what you went through as a, as a learning experience and, um, what, what would you tell me? Death is beautiful. Like it really is. Death is beautiful. And, um, it's kind of sad, you know, you know, that we're so fearful of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it, it shouldn't be like that. I think it's incredible. It's peaceful and it's loving and it's kind and it's non-judgmental and you don't need a checklist to be a good person. So Audrey, when you, when you face that yourself, you have three kids. I do. Of course, death 
losing one of them uh, would be the worst thing, yeah. you know, that could happen to you. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. So when you're talking about, you know, you shouldn't fear death and mm-hmm. death is, is beautiful and everything. Mm-hmm. That's you. That's, that's if mm-hmm. something happened to you and, and this is it, this is the yeah. end of life and you're going to move on. You're not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. But with those who are around you that you love, mm-hmm. that's a different feeling, isn't it? It is. In fact, um, two types of death that bug me. Uh, again, I have, I, I mentioned I have a different outlook on death, but, um, I do not like suffering and I do not like young death. Um, I mean, who does, but right. I have the biggest problem with that because it's just like, they didn't even get to live. Like, what is the point? And so I, even knowing what I know, I still have questions just like the next person. Sure, sure. Like, what's the point? What are we to learn? You know, does everything need to be a learning lesson? You know? Does everything need to be learned here? Right, you right. Know, maybe there's a lot more to learn next next realm. Right. And and it is, it's, it is one of those things. My biggest fear is losing one of my children mm-hmm. um, because I just love them so much. Um but it's also selfish. And to be blunt, it, it, it's, that's the truth. It's selfish because you want somebody to live for you, for your happiness, for mm-hmm. your enjoyment, for you. But on the other side of that, of, of life, is awesome and beautiful and kind and loving and warm. And so I do struggle with that, um, but I have to constantly tell myself that. Otherwise, I'd probably go insane <laughs> my kids are gonna die if they go out of my house you know? yeah you can just follow around your yeah. ultimate helicopter mom yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah that is that is a struggle um just because it's a different it's a different love and it's it's that parent yeah it's different it There's is different nothing nothing greater right. and it's awesome when you have grandkids someday you're going to cherish that it's amazing yeah. but you know what um you have good answers for those that are scared and and uh, worried about it and maybe somebody's terminally ill and their mm-hmm. time is coming and they're a little bit nervous about you know where in the heck they're going and what's going to be like and they might be scared this this will probably help them yeah you know and so this has been a great, great conversation with you. And I appreciate you being on the show. And um, and I hope a lot of people listen to it. We'll get it out there to, so that lots of people will hear your story. Well, thank so, you for having me. I appreciate it. You're more than welcome. I'm so glad I know you through Tribe. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah it is. So, well, um, that's a wrap. And um, until we hear from you um, again on A Close Call With Death, just stay alive to tell about it. <laughs> <laughs>